Well, good morning, Forest Hill Church family. Wasn't that awesome? We had a lot of fun as kids and students uh, this summer. Summer was too short, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Well, uh, my name is Jay Wells, and I have the privilege to serve here on the South Park campus of Forest Hill Church as the student pastor of our Advanced Student Ministry. Advance is the ministry for, from 6th to 12th graders, our middle schooler and high schoolers. And we are getting excited because we are kicking off a new season of ministry next week, September 11th, from 4 to 6 for our middle schoolers and from 6 to 8 for our high schoolers. We are gathering together and we'll do so every Sunday uh, for the calendar year. And we invite you to come join us. So if you are a middle schooler or high schooler, in this room, please come and join us and have some fun with us. Um, if you know a middle schooler or a high schooler in your lives, or if you see one walking down the street, invite them to come join us. Well, um, I just want to give you an opportunity to see my family because they are an incredible group of people. And I lasted this last year, so I have a picture of my family up here. We added one to the ranks. My oldest is Carson uh, Mason. I have two Texan boys and three Carolina girls, Ruthie, Lucy May, and our two-month-old little Hazel. And people ask me, how, how do you do it? And I point to that lady up there, my wife, Julia. She is incredible, and uh, the, the second best decision I made in my life was to marry her first decision was to follow Jesus, okay? So second best decision, she's incredible. And our, and our home, as a result, is a place of tranquility and peace with five kids, said no one ever, right? Well, um, I wanna welcome the kids in the room. If you are a kindergartner through fifth grader, you're not normally in here, give me a wave. Are you out there? I see some of you. All right, welcome, I'm glad you are here. And over this summer, we had had a series called Love Out Loud, where we talked in great measure about the gospel, all right, and how to share this gospel with the world and the, the people around us. But the gospel, if you've been here at Forest Hill for any length of time, you understand that the gospel is the heartbeat of this church. All right, the gospel is the good news, right? It is the good news that changes lives. And during that series, Love Out Loud, we read one, a passage, which is one of the clearest illustrations or pictures of the gospel um, in scripture. And I would like to, for us to read it as well. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses two and three. And I'd like for us to read it together, or I'm sorry, three and four. Let's read it together. For I delivered to you as of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And again, the, the gospel, that good news of what God has done is throughout scripture, but right here it is spelled out for us. Because the reality is if we ask a number of people and a number of Christians that have maybe been in church a long time, what is the gospel we might get some different answers. We might get like Jesus and God and the Bible. And, but the gospel is news. It is good news. And what is that news? But I, I have a way for us to understand it. It is right here in this passage. Um, I appreciate there's an organization called Evantel. And their mission, their motto is the gospel, clear and simple. And a passion of mine is that students that come through, that I have the privilege to teach, that they would at the very least understand what the good news is. And I help them remember the good news, it is 10 words, all right? All of us have 10 fingers, hopefully, maybe not, it's all right. Um, the gospel is 10 words, and I'll have it up here, that Jesus died for our sin and rose from the dead. Can you say that with me? Those 10 words of the good news, that Jesus died for our sin and rose from the dead. 
Parents, this is maybe a great resource for you to enforce and for your kiddos to understand what the gospel is. It is good news, and this good news transforms lives. It's this news of God that transforms lives. It did so mine, it did so maybe many of yours. And the beauty of the gospel is that it's simple. As Mike was talking about, that we can become a child in in childlike faith and we can understand the gospel. I have a six and a half year old son, Carson. And when I ask him probing questions about his faith, he gives me an understanding of the gospel. He gets it. He gets that Jesus died for him, right? But yet we can live our entire lives and not hear this good news enough, right? It is like your very favorite song that whenever it comes on, you're like, yeah, play it again. Right? You know what I'm talking about. That is the gospel. We would never tire of our wonder of this good news. And again, it is good news that can transform our lives. And I want to show you a video of a young lady named Autumn. And she is a student who attends our Ballantine campus. She was actually in the video that started us out of our summer highlight reel here. And it's a story that the gospel impacted her life and changed her life. So check this out. My experience with church was very minimal. I didn't like religion. I didn't like Christianity. Um, I considered myself agnostic and atheist at that time. I had a lot of stuff going on in my life um, when I was older and even now, and I just didn't want to turn to anybody. I just kind of kept myself from him and I became resistant. When I was in seventh grade, um, I went to Camp Harrison and I really enjoyed it. It's a camp that's about um, just kind of getting to know your faith a little more and connecting with Jesus. And I didn't know much about Jesus, but I had a strong calling there, but I never followed through on that one. I heard about Advance from my friends. It was kind of weird because it wasn't an invite night. And so they were just going into this message. So I was kind of like, what's going on? But you know. Uh, something kept telling me to go back. My family was very skeptical and most of them are atheists and don't deal with religion so they were just kind of confused and why I was involving myself with this Christian community. So I decided to go on a ski trip. The speaker talked about how one day we're just gonna walk with Jesus and we're really going to meet him and that that moment really clicked with me because I was like this is real like This is not something to take lightly, and I believe in it, and that was like the turning point for me. I spent that weekend just really listening and praying to God. The condition of my heart at that time was just very vulnerable because I was at a very big turning point in my life with Jesus, and I was just like, God, I need you more than ever. That was the moment that I gave my heart to Jesus, and I was like, I'm broken without you. So when I came back from the ski trip, I just had this change of heart. Literally only like two or three weeks later, I got baptized. So the lengths I've gone to come to Advance is I've like Ubered here. um, I've gotten other rides from people. um, I've made sure to do my homework, you know, before so that way I could just have some extra time because I've already missed out so much with my faith and this is not something that I want to miss out on. The role that Jesus plays in my life now is that he's the main star. Like he is involved in everything. I make sure I go to him for everything because he's my everything. Because Jesus died for me, I have this opportunity to say that I came from brokenness, but I'm now faithful to him forever and ever. I believe that because Jesus died on the cross for me, I'm made whole and I can just live in his glory, not mine.
My hopes and prayers for those who don't know Jesus, including my friends and my, some, most of my family, is that I just pray that they get to know him because he's the best thing that happens to me. Can you praise God for that story? Very clear evidence that the gospel is what changed Autumn's life and many of our lives here, and maybe it can change your life if you have not yet believed and placed your faith and trust in that good news that Jesus died for our sin and rose from the dead. It can change your life as well, even today. Well, over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about implications of the gospel. And if we're truthful, everything that we do and everything we teach from this stage is implications of the gospel. And the question that I want to ask you um, about when we, after we read in our passage is, are you missing out? Are you missing out on a life filled with purpose and filled with joy because you understand the gospel and you understand the implications of it? So we're going to take a look at a passage uh, this morning from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So if you have your Bibles uh, or an app or anything, you can open up there, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 20. And I'm going to invite Miss Michaela Reber, who is going to be our scripture reader today. Uh, she, she is a student, 11th grader, right, Michaela? All right, at South Mech High School, and she's going to read the scripture for today. And as the church has been doing for thousands of years, in honor of the reading of scripture, if you are able, I would ask that you please stand. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. All right. Thank you, Michaela. Can you appreciate Michaela, please? You may be seated. Uh, in this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it may be a familiar one. Um, and we're going to dive right in and kind of unpack this in verses 12 and 13. Michaela just read it, so I won't reread it. Um, but the word one is found there five times. And the word body is found there four times. And Paul is communicating to the church uh, at Corinth about one body. Right? And he's, he doesn't ex explicitly state what it is, but if we allow Scripture to interpret Scripture, in Ephesians 5 and in Colossians 1, we understand that this body of Christ that Paul is talking about is the church. And I think it's worthwhile to define church because it's the, the term that we use in our English understanding today in the 21st century is different from the biblical word, the church. Oftentimes when we talk about church, we mean the brick and the mortar and the building that surrounds us. Right? Oftentimes we talk about that being the meaning of church. If you look it up in the Webster's Dictionary, you'll find that as probably number one, the building where Christian worship takes place. But if we look in the Bible and we look to the original text in the Greek, the word church was ekklesia, 
And what it meant was, the definition of it was an assembly or the called out assembly or called out congregation. So it didn't mean a building at all, but it meant people, right? And we were, we were taught growing up kind of, you know, this, this difference of the words, but we often use the word church to describe a building. Okay, um, you remember this. Place your hands face up and interlock your fingers and make a little steeple. You guys remember this? Here is the church. Here is the steeple. Open the doors and see all the people. You went to the same church I did, right? But this is, right, this is an incorrect, you know, understanding of the word church. Maybe we should rewrite this for our kiddos. Maybe like here's the building, here's the steeple, open the door and see the church, right? It doesn't rhyme, but we can still use it, right? The church is people. Before my wife and I moved to the promised land of Charlotte, North Carolina, we lived in Dallas, Texas, and we were a part of a church there. We, we, were, we loved Dallas, and we loved the church there, and it was a really, they had, that church had a really hip building, all right? It was industrial modern with lots of exposed steel and, and wood and stone and copper and things like that. It was really cool, and as a result, people would comment to the pastor. They'd say, I mean, you have a beautiful church. And you know how you would respond? He'd say, who have you met? Right? And they kind of looked puzzled at him. He said, well, you said we have a beautiful church. I'm just wondering who you've met. Because the church is not a building. The church is people. Right? How many uh, churches, I'll ask you a question, how many churches are there in Charlotte? It's a trick question. There is one. Right? There's one church. There are many, many local congregations, local churches, but there is one church made up of everybody everywhere for all time who have trusted in the simple truth of the gospel. They place your trust that Jesus died for their sins and he rose from the dead and we are part of this body, part of this organization, part of this family called the church. And so you're like, okay, we're part of the church. What, what does that mean? Well, it means as part of this body, part of this, this family, you've been given a mission by God. And that mission is to glorify God by making disciples. This is straight from scripture. And Isaiah, uh, God using Isaiah talks about himself. And he says, you, the people whom I've created for my glory. God created each and every one of us for his glory. It's not about us. It's about him, right? We've been created for his glory. And then Jesus, he furthers that, that mission in Matthew 28, 19 about the great commission, Right, that we are to go into all the world and make disciples. So we are to glorify God by making disciples. And that is the mission here at Forest Hill Church. And we qualify it to say those who know Christ, right, have a, have a personal relationship with him, those who grow in their relationship with Christ, right, and those who go. That is the mission of the church. But oftentimes we say, not us. Right, like many men and many women in scripture, we say, not us, God. I'm not, I'm not equipped. I'm not the one that you have called to do this work, right? Moses said it. Jonah said it. Lots of people throughout scripture have said that. I'm not the one God, right? We, we, we want to leave it up to somebody else to do the work, right? And to, and to carry out this mission. Oftentimes we look to the staff and I am absolutely guilty of all these things. We look to the staff and say, hey, they're the professionals. They're the ones that have been trained. They have all those, those good words and those answers to those hard questions. They're the ones, but you understand that this view of saying, hey, I'm going to leave the ministry up to the professionals, that's a detrimental view of the body and of our role as the church. We are on mission. How many of you watched the Olympics this summer? Wasn't that fun? All right, I, really, I really think we should bring back a, uh, a competition to the Olympics that was part of the Olympics, tug of war. 
Would that not be amazing? 2020, I'm starting a petition. I want you to be a part of it, tug of war in the Olympics. But these Olympians, these are people, unlike anybody else I can think of that are on mission, right? The Olympics happen every four years. And for four years, they are training and disciplining themselves, saying no to so many things for this mission of being on the podium, right? To be hopefully on the top of the podium, but being on the podium. And they understand probably like, unlike anybody else, that they rely on their bodies and they train their bodies and every part of their body is valuable. Every part of their body is important, except for hair for the swimmers. That's not important. They take that off, right? But every part of the body is important. If we look back to this passage and we keep reading in verse 14, it says, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. So again, I'm really appreciative of Paul that he uses this word body as this illustration of the church because we get it, right? We all have one. We all understand the importance of our body and every single part of it. We have this expression sometimes in our lives where we say, I'd give my right arm for you fill in the blank, season tickets to the Panthers. For some of you kids, like that new video game system, right? If you're hanging out with a bunch of vegetarians, you're like, for a steak, right? You, I'd give my right arm. But the truth is, no, you wouldn't. You wouldn't give anything, even if it came down to your like pinky toe, you would be like, when it came down to it, you're like, no, 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 I don't need the tickets that bad. Because we understand that every part of our body is important. But if I'm just blatantly honest, I think that maybe 20 pounds of my body isn't as important as the other parts. But every part of our body is important, right? It is valuable. And every part of the body of Christ is valuable because God says it is. In this passage, he says, it does not consist of one member, but of many. So Paul, obviously in his, in his uh, talk here to the Corinthian church, he is telling them about the importance of unity, that we are one body. But what he is also talking about here is the importance of diversity. Okay, and when I say diversity, I don't necessarily mean ethnic or racial diversity, but that is part of the body of Christ, that the, the body of Christ is made up of every tribe, nation, people, and tongue all over this world, and is every, every skin hue imaginable, right? That's part of the body of Christ, but diversity in people's gifts and talents and abilities, right? If we just went in this room right here, we have all different types of people with all different types of giftedness, right? We have some people that the idea of crunching numbers and putting together numbers is like enjoyable and some people where it brings on some nauseous feelings, right? We have giftings here where you're, or you're organizationally minded and you, you think that way and that's where you're gifted and other people are physically gifted where they can build things and they can do different things, right? D different people, the body of Christ is different people with different gifts, different abilities, different uh, strategies, different minds, different spheres of influence, different relationships, all unified in our mission to glorify God by making disciples. All right, let's take a look in this next verse here. If we continue on, and this is one I really like, verse 15, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged, he arranged the members in his body, each one of them, as he chose. So, you know what this, this makes me think of? Let me ask you a question. How many of you have an older brother or sister? Or maybe somebody older that you look up to? 
and we set, all said this in our lives, why can't I do that? Come on, be honest, you've said this. I probably still say this, why can't I do that? We look, up, we look at somebody else with their giftedness and their talent, and we say, if I could just do that, if I could be that, then I would be useful. Why can't I do that? You know, and I'm gonna be honest again. When I see Jean-Claude Van Damme doing a split between two semi-trucks, I say, why can't I do that? But then I recognize that's not my giftedness. That's not what God put me on the planet to do, right? Why can't I do that? But I think the antidote to this kind of selfishness in our hearts, right? If we're honest, we're all sinful. And in that place of why can't I do that, it comes from that sinful heart. You know, the antidote there is found in verse 18. And it says, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. So it's God who is at work here in arranging different members of the body. And he says, as he chose. And the God that we serve, he doesn't make mistakes. And so regardless of the hand that you have been dealt in life and the gifts that you feel like you have or the gifts that you feel like you don't have, God has arranged you to be right where you can't, should be, right? And he chose you, right? In you choosing him, he chose you. That's one of the mysteries of the scriptures and of the gospel. God chose you to be right where you can be to do what you can do in the mission to make, to glorify God by making disciples. So we continue reading here in verse 19. It says, if all were a single member, where would the body be? If all were a single member, you know, what, what image this brings to mind is like a pile of ears, which is a really weird image. So we'll just keep moving along. Uh, verse 20, as it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Right, Paul was talking about unity and then he talks about the diversity of all the different members of the body and all their different gifts and he brings it back to unity. There are many parts, but yet there is one body. And so I'll ask that question again is, are you missing out? In this life, lived for Christ on this mission because it is the most purposeful life that you can ever live. Throughout scripture, it talks about about the gifts you have and using them. I'd like to read just a few passages. In Romans 12, 6, it says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given us, let us use them. In Colossians 3, 23 through 25, it says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. 1 Timothy 4, 14, it says, do not neglect the gift you have, which was given to you. 1 Peter 4, 10, it says, as each of you has received a gift, use it to serve one another as God's stewards of God's varied grace, as good stewards of God's varied grace. And so the most important thing about this passage is not necessarily what it means, or that, but it is what it means, but also what is our response to it or what is the application to it? And my question for us to consider is what is God calling you to do? I think each one of us in our lives, if you're anything like me, you've had moments in your life where you have seen a need in front of you and you have felt a nudge. Right? Something inside of you that said, do something. Right? I believe that's God. God doesn't speak to me or he has not audibly yet. I believe that he does and can do that to different people. But there's something inside of me that said, do something. Right? Respond to the need that you see. And then for whatever reason, because of the inconvenience that it may have caused, I let that opportunity go by. Right? I walked past, I drove past, I let time go by, and I let that opportunity go by. And we're all probably in that boat. 
and there's grace for all of us when we fail. Right, that is the beauty of the gospel and of Jesus is that there is grace when we fail. But what is God calling you to do? Maybe it is something radical. Right, I'm reading the book of Acts right now with my kids. And what we would may consider radical, it seemed like commonplace for the early church in the book of Acts. But maybe it's something radical. Maybe it's changing a vocation or a career because God is prompting you or calling you to do that. Maybe it is, it is changing where you live and, and downsizing to free up resources for whatever it may be. Maybe it's leaving the comfort of our Charlotte uh, zip code and heading overseas to work in God's mission field all over this world. Maybe it's something radical that you may talk yourself out of and say, no, you know, no, that couldn't be it. I'm, I'm hearing God incorrectly. So what is God calling you to do? But maybe it's something simple. It doesn't have to be radical, right? Maybe it's something simple. Maybe it's needing some felt needs meeting some felt needs of the people that are in your life that you see in front of you. Maybe it's encouraging word and comfort and just love that you can display to somebody in your life. Right? Maybe it's as simple as inviting somebody to eat dinner with you. It might be very simple. But again, the question is, what is God calling you to do? All right? Here at Forest Hill Church, I feel like there are lots of opportunities and lots of options for you. And I feel like the challenge for you today is to start serving. This, this church, everything that we do, every ministry is about the mission to glorify God by making disciples. Everything is about that. Where can you jump in? If you've said, I'm hitching my wagon to this local body called Forest Hill, this is for you folks. Maybe for you who are new, keep coming. Keep seeing if Forest Hill is the place where you can connect in a body of believers. But if this is the place where you say, that's where I want to serve, now I want to challenge you. Where will that be? Will it be in our nursery where you're, you can hold babies so that mom and dad can, can be in the service undistracted? Children are a distraction, right? Maybe it's in our kids' ministry, our kindergarten through fifth graders, they have a prayer that during the month of September, there would be 100 new volunteers that would join the mission of making, glorifying God by making disciples of our kids here at Forest Hill Church. Maybe it is jumping with us in advance in student ministry, right? You remember middle school and high school, many of you, and, and the time of life that was? Maybe you would be a mentor or somebody that would walk alongside some middle schoolers or high schoolers during that time of life. Maybe it is in hospitality where you are just given an encouraging word and welcoming people who may not have experienced that love um, any time during their week. Maybe it's using your gifts in production, behind the scenes about glorifying God or using gifts of vocals on this stage leading this congregation worship. Well, whatever it may be, I want to challenge you to start there to join in on this mission here at Forest Hill by starting there. Uh, the connect card that Jonathan mentioned, that is the great place for a next step. You can put your information, jot your name, email, and your phone number on it. Check off one of those areas that you can say, I can do that, right? And you can bring it to one of the folks in the front, the receptacles on the doors or out into the atrium at the information center. But again, that question is, where is God calling you? What is he calling you to do? All right, I want you guys to check out this video as we kind of wrap up our message. Check this out. All right, what is God calling you to do? What I can tell you is that when you understand your role in the body, 
right, and how God has chosen you and gifted you, there is no place where, where you will find more purpose and more joy in living your life than understanding where you are called to be part of that body. So we're gonna respond now with a song, Give Me Faith. Because oftentimes when I say no to what God is calling me to do, it's because I lack faith, right? I'm saying, you know, God, you're not gonna show up in the way that I think you are if I were to give that or do this. So we're gonna respond now to ask God to give us faith to trust what he says. Can you pray with me?